I don't care if it's a week, two, four, six, seven, eight. Who do we appreciate? LeBron James. That's who y'all got to start, start appreciating. And you got to stop disrespecting this man. You got AJ Brown, who's a legit number one. And you got Julio, who's a legit number one. One of them dudes got to get double teamed. Who going to get double teamed? And whoever gets double teamed, the other one gets the ball. I'm saying this with no pun intended, with full of pride. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the 35th episode of the Prideful Takes Podcast. As always, it is your boy, Pride. Um, just want to throw this out there real quick. Um, this episode is going to be pre-recorded. Um, I'm actually doing this um, December 10th. It is 1.15 in the morning. Um, so, so today is my son's birthday. Um and I, I want us to be able to spend some time and, you know, do a little something for him. Um, I want to be able, you know, on my kids' birthdays just to relax, chop it up with them, just basically spend the day with them, you know. Um, so this episode is going to be pre-recorded. Um, and then at the normal time, it's going to go live. So right now, as you guys are hearing me, I know it looks live, but it's not. And the reason I'm telling you guys this is if someone here is blowing up the chat, I don't want you thinking I'm ignoring you guys. Um, I genuinely do appreciate every single time you guys come in the chat. It's, it honestly makes this that much more fun. Um, but I just want to throw that out there. If you guys are commenting, you know, if you want to, that's fine. No problem. Um, but I do want to let y'all know I'm not going to be answering them. Not because I'm ignoring you. I'm not mad at anyone. Um, but it's just, you know. Uh, today uh, is my son's first birthday. Um, he's he's one, um, and I kind of just want to relax with him, spend some time with him, you know, um, and all that stuff. So I just want to throw that out the way. Make sure we're all you know working on the same page. Um, but I got a great show for you guys. Um, UFC 269. It's almost here. Uh, it's going to be here on Saturday. Um, Gonna have an announcement on that afterwards, but before we get there, um, Big Ben Roethlisberger has told multiple people within the organization, even some teammates, he does not expect to be in Pittsburgh next year. Now, everyone kind of knew that's where it was gonna go, there was no debate. Where it took a twist was when Ben Roethlisberger himself said he does not plan on retiring. Say that one more time, Ben Roethlisberger genuinely believes that he can go elsewhere and start. Now, first of all, whoever told him him that needs to get arrested. They just get that out of the way. There's no way Ben Roethlisberger will go anywhere and start. That's just not a possibility for him. Right now where Ben Roethlisberger is in his career is where Drew Brees was couple years ago when and I know last year he kind of hung it up but a couple years ago he understood I'm not the same guy anymore I can't throw the ball how I used to um you know my body like my mind my mind is still there and I can play with my mind I like in terms of like you know the plays and breaking down the defense I that's easy I can do that still but the body is what couldn't keep up, and that's what fell off. And Drew Brees had that moment where he looked in the mirror and said, you know what, 
physically, I'm not that guy anymore. And he hung him up. Ben Roethlisberger has yet to have that moment. He has yet to look in the mirror and say, you know what? I was that guy. Not that guy anymore. And it's okay not to be that guy anymore. Look, we're talking about Ben Roethlisberger, who is top 10 in passing yards, touchdowns, and also um, he's also top 10 in percentage, right? So we're looking at a guy who, no debate, no questions, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. There's no debate with that. He's going to be a legitimate Hall of Famer. But just because... You're, you're going to be a Hall of Famer. doesn't mean you can play forever. There's going to be a time when Tom Brady, he's not going to be able to play the way he's been playing. That's just a fact. Eventually, Aaron Rodgers is going to have to retire. That's just kind of a fact, right? Um, the youngsters, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, they're going to have to retire one day. That's just a fact of life, right? Like eventually when you're working, eventually you're going to have to hang them up and move on to the next phase of your life. Ben Roethlisberger, for some reason, genuinely believes that his phase is not over. And it's, it's painful. It's painful to see that because once you start feeling like that, and thinking that, you know, you still have it in you, you're going to be putting yourself in a position where you're going to get hurt. And get hurt bad. Ben Roethlisberger physically, back then, yo, you could you could send whoever you wanted, and it was going to be difficult to knock down Ben Roethlisberger. Nowadays, the defensive end before the ball snaps goes, just a quick blow, and Ben Roethlisberger before the snap is already stumbling. His arm strength has gone away, and I, I I just don't know if he doesn't get it. I don't know if he kind of knows a little bit, but is in denial, or maybe he's just straight up oblivious to the fact. Maybe he sees Tom Brady and is like, well, if he can do it, I can too. I don't know what it is, but Ben Roethlisberger is just not that guy anymore. And that's just a fact that not only him, but a lot of people who defend him still need to understand and wrap their heads around. He's not that guy anymore. Now, in terms of is there another team that would that would sign him, plenty of teams would. But they would sign him as the backup so that way he can spread his knowledge into whoever they have at that time. Cincinnati, they would sign him and have him, you know, teach teach Joe Burrow a little bit of something. Same thing with the Chargers, Justin Herbert. I mean, he's at the point where he would just basically be a, glor- a glorified assistant coach. You know, he'll be a quarterback coach or something. That's really the only position that's left for him. And and it's a shame because at this point, he should just retire, stay with Pittsburgh, be an assistant coach, be a quarterback's coach. 
do something like along those lines where, you know, you can use the part of, of, of your game that has not gone away from you. Your IQ, your brain, that has not gone away from you. So if it hasn't gone away from you, use that. Spread your knowledge to the next generation if you still want to be in the league, you know? But this whole notion that, oh, yeah, he needs to, you know, I need to start wherever I go. Bro, you're delusional. You're delusional. Let's just call it what it is. And, again, I feel bad for I don't really feel bad for him because I kind of do because somebody within his camp has to be feeding him this delusion. Somebody has not sat down with him and said, Ben, you're losing it. Mariano Rivera did not have some fiery stuff. He beat you with with, with technique. But even then, when he started losing velocity, he was like, okay, look, no. Mm -mm. No. Like, there's a point where you need velocity. Mariano Rivera recognized that and left. He retired. He was like, you know what? I'm not it no more. I've had a hell of a career. I'm proud of what I accomplished. I am no doubt a hell of a famer. I'm proud of what I did. I'm proud of what I accomplished. Rode off into the sunset. Drew Brees rode off into the sunset. It's just weird because Ben Roethlisberger is trying to be a Philip Rivers. You're clinging on too long. You're clinging on way too long. And on top of that, if you look, look at Pittsburgh and what they're doing, they need to run the ball more. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm recording this after the Pittsburgh Vikings game. Vikings won. Throwing the ball 40 times. Why are you throwing the ball 40 times? Like, to me, that right there is a problem. There were times where Ben Roethlisberger, he was sacked a few times, and he got up slow. Like, real slow. Like, bad slow. Not like Tom Brady when he gets up and he's mad. He's just like, just like Daxter. Ben Roethlisberger looked hurt. Every time a defensive player touched him, he looked hurt. That's a problem. So now every time you get hit, people are like, he's hurt. Combined with your age, combined with your skills that are your physical skills that are no one no one really wants to say it, but deteriorating. On 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 what planet does that make you a starting caliber quarterback? And before anybody says, oh, well, what about the other guy? What about, you know, what about Miami? What about the Eagles? You know, the, the quarterbacks. They've been, they're young. They have young quarterbacks. So why would you get an old Ben Roethlisberger who is not going to be playing good football, if we're going to be honest? He's not going to be playing good football. So for me personally, I think in terms of starting, there's nowhere Big Ben can go. He's screwed. What he should legitimately do is say, you know what? It is what it is. Wherever I go, I'll be a backup. 
or just stay with the Pittsburgh Steelers and just, you know, be a backup. Look at Dwayne Haskins and say, you know what? You know, a lot of people believe you didn't get a fair shake. Let's give you an opportunity. Mason Rudolph is dog shit, so we're not even going to waste our breath with him. But if we're, if we're talking about, you know, if, if, if we're talking about helping, having him find somebody else, trying to find the next guy to be able to take over for him, I believe Ben Roethlisberger still has the IQ to try to look at a guy like Dwayne Haskins or whoever they get and say, you know what, this guy's something, and let's work on him. You know, me and Pittsburgh in the in the Steelers organization, let's work on this young youngster together. But in terms of any teams that are willing to start him, no disrespect, he's out of his fucking mind. So uh, if I'm Ben, it's, if I'm in Ben's camp, sit down with him, have a conversation with him. Um, I don't know what it is, man, but someone has to have a conversation with him and let him know, Ben, unfortunately, you're not that guy anymore. Um, so... Hopefully Pittsburgh figures it out because, to be honest, plan B after Big Ben is Dwayne Haskins, and after that it's Mason Rudolph. So in terms of quarterback, they're screwed. Um, maybe they can make a trade and make something happen, but they're going to be screwed for a while. Um, a lot of people are questioning players in terms of loyalty. Fans, I've been really bashing players who just go to different teams, right? And the main thing is, oh, yeah, you know, for instance, what part of Michael Jordan's mystique is that he had all his success with one team, even though he played for the Washington Wizards. Nobody wants to talk about that, but even though it did happen, but that's something they could sweep under the rug. They say that because a player has played for someone for, you know, their entire career, that's great, that's phenomenal, and that's what makes them all-time great. But should we really knock him for that? Should we really look at a player and instead of looking at his skills, his attributes, his stats, and how he plays the game, what he does on the court, why are we going to look at, did he stay with one team? I've never understood that, ever. I really didn't. To me, I think that's dumb. And I'm explaining why. If you're in an organization that's not doing you right, why are you going to stay? I'm asking for a friend. Why are you going to stay? Right? Now, the same people that are killing them, that killing any player, whether it be LeBron James, Kevin Durant, whether it be Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, whether it be Ray Allen, uh, whoever it is, Shaq. Seeing some people kill Shaq for it whether it be Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, whatever the case may be, right? If a player goes from one team to another, why is that considered a bad thing? Every time I ask this question, I never get an answer. I never do. Because they always say it's a low team thing. Okay, explain to me why that's bad. Why is it that a player has to be so loyal to a team that they cannot do anything that they want to do? My thing is, as long as if you fulfilled your contract, you can go wherever. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, yeah, you know, you know, Braun left for Cleveland and Miami. Oh, my God. That's going to that's gonna be a huge knock on this all-time rate. Like, no. No. 
Like, look, and Kevin Durant is a perfect example. He he basically, you know, he pulled a snake move, went to Golden State. But in terms of who he is as an all-time player, that was still the same Kevin Durant. That was still the seven-foot assassin who could pull up from 45 and have no problem whatsoever. If Steph Curry goes from the Warriors to the Celtics, to the Knicks, to Memphis, to the Timberwolves, if he goes anywhere, is that did his game change? No. Regardless if he got traded and regardless or regardless if he left on his own, that is still the same player. If Carl Anthony Towns leaves and goes to San Antonio, still the same player. Different state, same player. So I'd never understood this whole thing about, quote, loyalty. I've never gotten that before in my entire life. And the reason to me that it's extremely perplexing is because the same people who kill the LeBron James of the world, the same people who kill the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's of the world, the, you know, the, the, the people who crucify the shacks of the world are the same people who, for some reason, is saying Damian Lillard should force his way out of Portland. I'm going to say that one more time. The same people who kill players for not being loyal are the same play, are the same people who are begging Damian Lillard to be, quote, unloyal. If I could coin a, you know, borrow a uh, a quick meme, you don't find that suspicious? You don't find that suspicious? I think it's very interesting that that we question loyalty for certain players, but then others get a password. If Luka Doncic leaves Matt, the Mavs organization, does that make him any worse of a player? Because we also have to put in consideration what front office do you have. We also need to put into consideration, was this player drafted by a place that was home to him? We have to take these things into consideration. It's also funny. A player supposed to want to win at all costs ask for a trade to go somewhere where he can win, and he's unloyal. Don't believe me? Go ask Anthony Davis. Go ask AD how that worked out. He was in the Pelicans organization for how long? They couldn't properly build anything around him. Best chance he had when it was him and Boogie Cousins, and Boogie Cousins tore his, uh, his Achilles. And even then when he had Boogie Cousins, they were probably going to get out of the first round and get bounced anyway. So it's funny. The organization doesn't really do much for you, but you're supposed to be loyal to it. I'm going to say this one more time. You don't find that suspicious? You don't find that suspicious? If you tell me you don't find that suspicious, I don't know what to tell you. I've said this before and I said it all the time. When it comes to loyalty in sports, it's the most overrated thing in the world. It really is. Uh, if a player does not want to play somewhere, 
and they want to go elsewhere, why stop them? Now, I may not necessarily agree with where they go. For instance, when Kevin Durant wanted to go to state, I didn't agree. I didn't agree whatsoever. However, I didn't make him any less of a, of a phenomenal basketball player. He still was, at worst, the third best player in the world. And I had him at second. At the time, I had LeBron at one. I had KD at two. And I had Steph Curry at three. For me, those were the three. Some people had Steph over KD. For me, I don't agree with that. But I understand, as long at the time, it was those three. So when he left, did that make him any less of a, of a phenomenal player? When he left, did he all of a sudden not know how to shoot? When he left, did he stop being a viable scoring option? When he left, did he all of a sudden not know how to rebound? I've had conversations with people, um, and I, like I said, I've said this. I've been consistent with this. I believe LeBron James is the best player to ever play the game. I, I genuinely believe it. Um a lot of people disagree with me and they say Michael Jordan is the best. I try to have conversations with them. And they always knock LeBron for going to multiple teams. And then I say, well, you know, in Cleveland, he um it wasn't good. You know, the manager really didn't do it. It was basically LeBron and randoms. I was like, this is ridiculous. You know, my legacy is being hampered right now, so I got to go elsewhere. Went to Miami. I was there for four years. And, like, it was the general consensus that he wasn't going to cope. He wasn't. After that four-year deal, he wasn't going to stay in Miami. Especially the last year when he started talking about going back home. He started, when he went in interviews, he's saying how he missed, you know, he missed home and he missed his family. Who knew he was going to Cleveland? Okay. He wanted to bring a championship to Cleveland. He went to Cleveland. He brought a championship to Cleveland. And then he goes to L.A., right? He goes to L.A. because, again, Dan Gilbert, like always, fumbled it bad. And, by the way, this isn't, this isn't even just conjecture. Dan Gilbert, when LeBron was like, yo, trade that number one pick so we could win, and Dan Gilbert refused to. I kind of buried him right then and there. So LeBron goes to L.A. Mind you, by the way, the two teams LeBron James went to, they were not powerhouses. They were not prohibitive favorites. The year before, the Miami Heat, I think it was like an A seed and got bounced. That's even if they made it. And then the Lakers. Pfft. You know how, how long has it been since they've been in the playoffs? Then in two years, both teams are champions. I believe Tim Duncan is the greatest power forward in the history of the game. When you ask me why, I bring up I bring up what he's done. I bring up his leadership. 
bring up his offense. I bring up his defense. I, I, I bring up his communication. I bring up the fact that when on defense, he does great rotations. I bring up the fact that he's very calm and, and his demeanor. I bring all that stuff up. You will never hear me say that the reason he's the best is because he spent his entire tenure with one team. You will never hear me say that. And to me, if you say that, you yeah, that's just ridiculous. Because by, by that logic, it's very rare that people have one job in their lives. By your logic, I will say you're a horrible worker because you've had multiple jobs. You see how that all of a sudden doesn't really make a lot of sense? Why all of a sudden you're looking like, what the fuck is this kid talking about? That's basically what's going on here. And again, you don't have to sit here and, you know, you don't got to say that, you know, if a guy goes to multiple all I'm saying is if you use this against a player and you say that all of a sudden he's horrible and he's bad, all this stuff, um, because he went to multiple teams, you're an idiot. Eddie Davis has been on two teams. Does that make him any worse? I'm asking for a friend. Because all of a sudden, I'm looking at people all of a sudden sit here and say, yeah, you know, this so-and-so, you know, he went from one team to the other, you know, and that makes him horrible. And my thing is, if a player stays with a team his whole career, as he stays with one team his whole career, Does that mean that all of a sudden he's better than someone who's went around to a few other teams? That's that's a legit question I have for people. Like... We're looking again. These, this is some of the things I have, right? Udonis Haslam has played with the Miami Heat his entire career, right? He declared in 02, went undrafted. Miami Heat picked him up in 03, he's been there since. Okay, is he better than Kareem Abdul Jabbar? I'm asking now. Right? Because this is the problem we're having. The problem that we're having is because a player spends his entire his entire tenure with one team, he's, he's all of a sudden great. Right? I thought another name. Fred Brown. He played, he was a guard. He played with the Seattle Supersonics. His entire career. Okay. Played over 960 games. He's played. He's got over 14,000 points. But from 71 to 84. He was with. The Seattle Supersonics. 
because he played with one team, does that make him better all time? Then Chris Paul, Steve Nash, Jason Kidd. Does that make him better? Um, this is a guy, and when I'm, I'm talking about, um, because I want to put some context, um, when I say um, I'm talking about Fred Brown, um, this is a guy who's averaged 20 plus points twice in his career. Um, for a career, he's a 14 point per game score, 37% from three, and about 47% from the floor. Played about 25 minutes per game. Made one all-star. This, he played with one, one, one team. Does that make him better than any of the guys I mentioned? Steve Nash, Chris Paul. Let me ask you another question. Because Isaiah Thomas played with one team, does that mean he is better than someone who hasn't? Again, Chris Paul, Steve Nash. Is Isaiah Thomas better than them because he only played with one team? Is that why people say he's better? Again, I'm only asking these questions because for me, it's just very perplexing. So if you look at a guy like IT, 16 points per game off of 57% shooting, is that what you're going to talk about to say that he's better than whoever you want to say he's better than? Or are you going to bring up the fact that he played for one team? So I said before, and I'll say again, in terms of sports, if a guy plays from team to team, I'm not I'm not gonna say that's the end all and be all for a guy's career. UFC 269, it's happening Saturday. The main card kicks off at 10 o'clock. Um, it has a double main event when you maybe have two champs defending their titles. It is in the main event, Charles Oliveira defending the lightweight strap against number one ranked Dustin Poirier. And then the GOAT, Amanda Nunes, defends her women's Bantamweight title against third-ranked Juliana Pena, whose name is the Venezuelan Vixen. If it wasn't Amanda she was going against, I would so be rooting for her. Pena's good. Real good. Problem is, she was born in the era with Amanda Nunes. So, obviously, first thing I want to throw out there, um, I obviously have Amanda Nunes winning uh, pretty handedly, might I add. I'll be surprised if this gets out of the second round. Um, I've said this before, and I genuinely mean it. I genuinely wholeheartedly believe Amanda Nunes is the GOAT. People say John Jones, GSP, Habib. I believe Amanda Nunes needs to be in that conversation. I don't know why she's not. I'm assuming it's, you know, 
it's not fun to throw in the conversation because people are just going to throw out John Jones and then go on. But I like Amanda Nunez. And especially in the GOAT conversation, she's a she's a double champion that's defending both belts. I feel like that should kind of factor into her contention as the GOAT. I feel like that should factor in. Um, I like Amanda here. Um, uh, obviously, she's she's a knockout artist. She's phenomenal. Um, again, this isn't to say that um, Juliana Pena is, is horrible or she's a horrible fighter. She's not. And like I said, if it was any other era, I think she would have she could have potentially been a champion. But just for the fact that she has to beat Amanda Nunes, she has to fight Amanda Nunes. I think that's kind of what's screwing her over a little bit. And I feel bad because, again, like I said, Pena's not bad. She's not, but I, I support, to me, Amanda Nunes is just clearly head and shoulders above everybody else, including Valentina Shevchenko. I genuinely believe she's even above Valentina Shevchenko. And, again, maybe one day we'll be able to sit down and, Say, hey, Amanda Nunes deserves to at least be in the conversation of the GOAT. Um, I, I like Amanda Nunes a lot, and I think this fight, she's going to coast to the win. Um, now, for the main event, it'll be Charles Oliveira defending his uh, his title against Dustin Poirier. Um, a lot of people are kind of tossed on this one. Some people are like, yeah, you know, Dustin Poirier, you know, he'll be able to come in and win, handle his business, move on. And I, my thing on this one, it's tough, right? Because Charles Oliveira is kind of doing this thing where, like, his second – he's in his second win, right? He had some troubles early in his UFC career, you know. Um, it, it looked kind of struggle city for him for a minute. Um, then he said, you know, went away, came back. And he came revitalized, he came back better, came back happy, came back thinking, you know what, I can do this. And for me, I can't, I'm, I'm going with Dustin, or I'm sorry, I'm going with Charles Oliveira. Um, I got Charles with a third round submission. What really surprised me about Charles Oliveira was the first the, the fight he had to win the title when it was vacant, and he fought Michael Chandler. If anyone watched that fight, round one, Michael Chandler had his way with Charles Oliveira. I thought Charles Oliveira was in for a long night. He went back to his stool, sat down, breathed, took a couple breaths, got up, and in round two... Did not care about what happened round one. He did not care. He came out different. He came out with more aggression. He came out with proper adjustments that he needed to make to win the end in that round and get a TK, TKO victory over Michael Chandler. When I saw that, I was like, look, I don't think people are giving Charles Oliveira enough credit. I don't know why they're not giving him enough credit. I, I don't get it. 
I'm not sure where all this, oh my God, Charles is that good. I don't know where all that came from. Um, but I genuinely wholeheartedly believe that at the end of the day, Charles Oliveira is going to handle his business. In third round, he's going to make um, Dustin Poirier tap. I believe Dustin Poirier is also distracted because he's still talking about Connor. He's still talking about Connor. And if he keeps talking about Connor at this rate, it's like, look, Charles is dangerous. He's extremely dangerous. Um, if you really look at it, obviously both men, both men coming off um, um, coming off wins. Um, in terms of the height advantage, Charles Oliveira was one inch taller, five ten to five nine. But you know, eh. reach advantage of Oliveira has a two inch reach advantage over Poirier, seventy four inches to seventy two, and then leg reach forty one inches to forty and a half, um, in favor of Oliveira. My thing, it's really going to come down to the ground game. Um, obviously, Dustin Poirier is a phenomenal wrestler, right? Charles Oliveira is going to need to understand. Because, again, Oliveira is not a guy who knocks people out like that. In terms of his career, of his wins, he's only got a 29% knockout percentage. He's only got a 10% um, 10 chance of winning by decision. And he's got a 61% chance of making you tap. Now, I'm talking about in... Um, of all the other fights he's been in, um, he's got he's 38, uh, 31, 8, and 0 with one no contest. So for me, the average fight time goes um, uh, Poirier has an average fight time of about 10 minutes. Oliveira, under, right under seven minutes, six minutes, 53 seconds. Um, in terms of strikes, um, uh, in terms of the connect percentage, over Oliveira does land. Um, he does land at a higher percentage, but only by two percent, fifty-two to fifty. And Dustin throws. You know, he in terms of landing per minute, he lands more. So, for me, the way I'm looking at it, I think one hundred percent this is going to matter. This is going to come down to the ground game. Charles Oliveira, I believe he's going to work his his jujitsu, which which I think is going to be the difference maker. Like I said, I got Oliveira winning. Um, have him winning in the th in the third round by submission. Um, again, no disrespect to Dustin Poirier, but I think right now, how everything is going, I think this is the perfect fight for Charles Oliveira to be like, hey, yo, this, like me winning the title was not a fluke. Um, and I have Charles Oliveira third round submission. Um, just throwing that out this out there also. Um, on Saturday, the fight begins at ten. Um, I will be doing a live watch along um, doing this right now. Let me just throw it out there because a lot of people do have questions. It is not the watch along itself is not to watch the fight. It is to watch my commentary and my reactions on it. So if you are going to be butthurt that I'm not showing the fight, don't even waste your time showing up. Because there's always those, those two idiots that go, oh, show the fight. Which if, if, if it's that tough, go get it yourself. Okay. So I just want to throw that out there. Um, I will be starting at 10. The, the, the main event, oh, I'm sorry, not the main event. The actual main card starts at 10. Um, you know, because they, they'll have the, the early prelims, which starts at 6.15 p.m. Eastern time. So that's, um, I, I do Eastern time because I'm on the East Coast. 
Um, it'll be 6.15 Eastern time for the early prelims. Then for the prelims, it'll be at 8 o'clock. Then the main card will begin at 10. Um, so the main card, these this is the order they have so far. Whether or not it'll be in this order, we don't know. Um, Raluian Pavea, he's going to be fighting in a bantamweight bout against Sugar Shane O'Malley. That's going to be probably the first fight. Um, then the next fight, uh, it's going to be a flyweight bout. Uh, Kai Kara France is going to face Cody Garbrandt. Now, Cody Garbrandt is seventh. However, Cody Garbrandt was in the in the bantamweight division, and he's basically cutting weight to drop down a division. He was ranked seventh in the bantamweight division. So they, they're still going to give him that seven. And then depending on how this fight goes, will determine what his flyweight ranking will be. Um, and then um, in the welterweight division, Neil's going to face uh, Ponsonbino, um, number 12, versus number 14th in the welterweight division. Then the co-main is going to be Amanda Nunez defending her women's bantamweight title against number three ranked uh, Juliana Pena, which again, I'm sorry, Pena. Um, and then the main event, Charles Oliveira defends his strap against number one ranked Dustin Poirier. Um, I will be doing a, a watch along of the main card. Uh, it does start at 10. So I will be here. Um, obviously, in between fights, if you guys have any questions regarding anything, feel free to shoot them out. I'm always more than willing, more than happy, and more than able to talk to you guys about anything sports related. Um, this has been the Prideful Takes podcast. Um, I know this was a little weird. Um, it being pre-recorded and all definitely was weird. Um, but like I said, Monday, I'll be back to, do, to doing the show live um, and all that good stuff. So uh, obviously it has been your boy Pride. Um, take care, everyone. Be safe. And we'll be back on our normal vibes on Monday. Take care. I knew where that was going. That was a great read. Ooh, Lillard from the logo. That'll quiet the two on the season. Second and one for the Bills. The handle the rush. Allen looking. It's down. To Shohei Otani. Center field. Let's watch it go. Did several of those inside low kicks. always